This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hello, you're listening to the BBC Good Food Christmas podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. In this final episode of our special Christmas series, I'm talking about your last minute time plan with my co-hosts, Miriam Nice and Orlando Murrin. Orlando, how organised are you at Christmas? Do you leave anything to the last minute? What about you, Miriam? I bet you're a planner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does start with a list and then a spreadsheet, definitely. I mean, we've, we've got to the point where it's spreadsheets. Yeah. So there's, a, there's a whole computer <laughs> network. Yeah, colour-coded <laughs> computer network. We're about to build whole new computer hard drives to just build Miriam's Christmas planning. Yes, please. Okay, perfect. <laughs> what about you, Orlando? Are you that organised? I'm very timetabled. Very timetabled indeed. I've got, from when I used to work on a magazine years ago, we did as a free Christmas <clears throat> gift with the Christmas issue, a free... Um, Christmas plan a tea towel which I get out every Christmas and put on the magnetise on my fridge but I don't follow that that's just for sentimental reasons because I have it all written back and I, I work all the time is back from the time of eating so every eating at two or three I'll back calculate everything with of course a, an allowance for you know 
drinking take longer. an allowance for drinking you were thinking of another word for it there you were trying to think of another thing for uh, things getting in the way of what you meant was drinking an allowance for no uh, uh, sometimes uh, you can't quite however carefully you calculate your turkey roasting time and I can calculate it as much as you can You because they're different shapes some turkeys are broad and some are tall and slender and they take a different t- slightly different time so you can only really be within about half an hour for for a, a, an ordinary you know family sized turkey so that's which is a pint of gin and tonic yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you have to give yourself some allowance there uh, and I think actually it's important to tell people that that Christmas dinner isn't going to be at da 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 a time because you can't really guarantee it. Not unless you pre-cook the whole thing. I've heard of people pre-cooking the whole Christmas dinner the day before and then reheating it. Not recommended. You did not hear it on this podcast. Can you imagine the the danger, the dangers inherent of having a whole turkey cooling and then being reheated? Have you heard of this happening? Miriam, you must have heard of this. No, Tom, you must have heard no. of this. No, but I do remember like school dinners and pub dinner. Like there used to be like where you cook, the, the joints of meat would be cooked, chilled and then sliced on one of those gravity slices and then just reheated in gravy. I mean, that's like, <laughs> I mean, I could imagine that being done somewhere. I think some people do, um, arrange it on the plates. This is so unwholesome. They slice up the turkey. They do the whole thing the day before, put it on the plates and just do the whole thing, but don't eat it. Then they will cover it with plastic film and fridge it, we hope, and then reheat it. I'm met by stony glares from Tom and Miriam. I'm not saying, I've never done this in my life. I never would. I'm saying to anyone listening, don't do it. But I know that people have done it because I've heard of them doing it. So they get the plates all ready. So they just reheat you know, the, the plates. The more you talk about this, the more it makes you sound so guilty. <laughs> The more, the, more, the more you get. I don't, I, I stop it. I've heard of someone. Uh, a Asking of a for a friend. friend. Yeah. <laughs> and then what you do is you so get the plates out. It. You just Orlando pop on the cranberry, make, make, just pop his... a cranberry sauce and, you know, um, and, and then the, you do the gravy at the last minute. You obviously do the gravy in the pan and put the gravy on at the last minute. Re- how do you know so much about this? <laughs> remembering you, how do you know so much? Remember to remove the plastic film. <laughs> Said from bitter Ah. experience. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're not doing it that way, if you're not doing it the Orlando way. (laughs) So so let's just say you can go get too far with the prepping in advance and getting ahead of yourself. And Miriam, you're the sort of person I think who can over overthink things and get ahead of yourself. What with all her with all her (laughs) with all her computers and her spreadsheets. Um, Miriam is queen of technology, and so if you go into her flat, it's like humming with, with motherboards and computers <laughs> and and ticker tape and mainframe computers and things that we don't even know what they are. All humming and whirring is it like and Facebook headquarters. Yeah, yeah. Just for how to cook a turkey on time for Christmas Day for her two friends. There. <laughs> yeah, I live in a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is all completely true. So don't overdo it, Miriam. That's my tip. Don't start planning in. But all, literally, all joking aside, right? You're not you're you're not pre cooking it the day before and wrapping it in cling film, and you you you're not actually having a whole massive list written out on a computer system with twenty five pages of do's and don'ts and how to do it down to the second infrastructure of what goes in the oven. However, 
there is a, there is a particular level of infrastructure, understanding and planning that you need to put into place to, to make Christmas go smoothly, isn't there? So how early is too early then? Well, I, I, I'm always looking at the day before for me. Christmas Eve, I'm always like, okay, what have I got done? Have I got my carrots peeled, parsnips peeled? Have I even got them blanched? Great. Have I got the potatoes for roasts peeled, cooked, like blanched? Not the cook, not the actual roasted bit, but they're all pre-cooked and ready to go, to go into hot fat and into the oven, those sort of things. So I'm, I'm the day before. I do most of my cooking the day before. Yeah, and it fits better in the fridge then as well because yeah. if it's like um, parboiled and then put in little boxes or bags or something, then it fits. You can fit everything in a little bit easier. So I think that's great. I think the shopping is incredibly important, but yeah. the the shopping I would plan um, a week before. I I wouldn't buy it a week before, but I get I plan what I needed the week before and make sure that I had everything I needed, um, and you know order the turkey if necessary before that. But um, it it all starts with the shopping and and then the work follows on once you've got it aboard or you know it's arriving you definitely need to order the turkey a bit before that i mean you to get to get a great turkey you've got to have them you know you i get that planned well before a month before yeah yeah just order it with your butchers make sure you know where you're going to get it from yeah definitely definitely and what's the shortest amount of time you've ever had to plan for a christmas dinner have you ever had to do one just completely on the what, line. spur of the moment yeah <laughs> fortunately <laughs> not fortunately not but I, I do think there's lots that you can I, I think most people start talking about their christmas even in the summer don't they about which family they're going to go to if you're traveling up and down who's hosting it this year who's doing what it, it is normally planned quite well in advance isn't it the logistics there, definitely yeah there yeah. might be a little bit of last minute last minute guests turning up or last minute thing but the reality is that most people if you're cooking christmas lunch you're you're fairly well you know it's going to be you two or two or a minimum of two or three weeks before don't you i think it's fun to plan the other meals around christmas as well because okay. um well christmas eve is usually a bit special isn't it and with Boxing Day, you've you've got lots of food in, but you might fancy a kind of something bright and breezy to to refresh yourself that isn't leftovers. So it's nice to have that around. Although you don't you don't need to panic nowadays because the shops are open, aren't they? So you can go and you know buy something if you suddenly want to make something that needs an ingredient that you haven't got, like coconut. Say you wanted to make something from um, a Malaysian dish with coconut in it, then you can go and get the coconut, thank goodness, which you couldn't do years ago. You no. were stuck. You had to get everything that in. Because siege that was, mentality. It was going to shut down for like was four two, days. It, well, it was actually, it was kind of two weeks. Yeah. The food shops were two weeks, I think. Is there anything that you keep in the fridge now as a just-in-case? Is there any ingredients that you have hanging around in your store cupboard or in the freezer as a as a last-minute, oh, my God, or I'm doing something? It might not be for Christmas lunch, but if all of a sudden, you know, four people drop in, a family calls in to drop some presents and it's a <gasps> certain time and you go, why don't you stay for tea? Or your other half says, oh, do you fancy having tea? I'm sure Orlando's got enough. And do you suddenly look and look, glare at them first and go, <laughs> what have you done that for? And then what do you rustle up what have you got hanging around oh my goodness me i'm now in a i'm kind of panicking <laughs> thinking about that terrible moment happening it has happened to me i did um I, I can't remember how i handled it but i had i was expecting when i was in france we had dinner booked for four and a party of and i was very it was a set menu and we had 14 extra people turn up and we were 40 minutes from a shop it was 
was unbelievable. I think I just looked in the fridge and found everything that that everything that was there, and somehow transformed it into something for twenty. Hit the freezer and defrosted everything there as well. I did somehow get away with it, but by sheer luck, I think. But um, if if people dropped in, one thing I know this sounds really strange, but a really useful emergency dish if you've got a bit of if you've got you know, half an hour or three quarters of an hour to make it. It's a souffle because you've usually got eggs, you've usually got cheese, you've usually got milk in some form, you've always got flour. And it's incredibly impressive. But, I mean, it's a bit of a bore having to stand and make there, make it. Um, And another one is a risotto, which I know that people might not think it's exciting, but it's a really beautiful dish made properly. And I've always got risotto rice, I've always got homemade chicken stock in the freezer and I've usually got a little jar of truffles or something in the fridge to make Ooh, it. Hello. <laughs> oh hello <laughs> which is so oh, I could, well, I could my, and I've always Miriam got parmesan. Might be surprised dropping in at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always got a ton of parmesan. So I could I could make a risotto but they're not very they don't feel like party dishes, do they particularly? I mean that sounds all right. I mean I've yeah. got to be honest, truffle par- truffle parmesan risotto. Yeah I mean that sounds like a good party dish to well, me. Well thank you, yeah. But it doesn't doesn't look like a kind of festival dish, but but those are two things that I think of as a, that a you kind could of have. A, a lovely yeah. emergency dish that I would I could make from stuff that I've got. What about you, Miriam? Definitely, risotto rice is something that you keep in because then you don't have to worry about it. You know, it's those kind of dried things that don't ever go off. And like having things like flour means that you can like make some fresh pasta or something relatively quickly. So yeah, just those kind of basics just really really help you out. On the, having a good stocked dry store is going to help. Yeah, whatever. And I've always got stock in the freezer because I I never let a chicken leave the house without having made me a a batch (laughs) of stock, so to speak. And mince pies at Christmas. Just make more mince pies than is sensible. Frozen pastry, I think, is always a good one to have, whether it's phyllo pastry, short crust pastry. Uh, I mean, and then you can... Short crust over sweet as well because then you can turn short crust into something sweet. And the phyllo pastry, you can layer it, you can put on top of something, make a quick pie, or you can stuff it with cheese and a few vegetables, or you can do... There's always something that you can create, but anything wrapped in pastry is good. You can make it fairly quickly or you can make like a liner pastry case and keep that case in the freezer and then use it for like last minute things. That would be really good. That's really useful. And you can bake it from frozen. Yeah. If it's in the, only if it's in the pie dish. You wouldn't want to bake it from frozen before you've rolled it out. (laughs) (laughs) One great big biscuit. (laughs) I always worry about our listeners that they might take away the wrong impression from what we're saying and... Go and try and bake a block of pay, block of short crust and see what happens. And when when we're talking about planning, when do you serve your Christmas lunch or dinner? Is it is it a daytime lunchtime or is it an evening thing for you? Well, it's normally halfway through the afternoon. Yeah. Like for for me, it's normally because you're normally up early because I've got a little man, so we're up obviously. Uh, opening toys and I don't know playing with all sorts of action figures cars or running around the garden shooting each other with, with some brightly colored uh laser gun I mean whatever you know it's, there's always something you're always up early then it's kind of Christmas you've got phone calls to make the you know the Christmas kind of like facetimes the hellos the whatever else for people who aren't coming that day and then I suppose I kind of you do a bit of breakfast but that breakfast because it's Christmas it, it might be I don't know 
smoked salmon and scrambled eggs. It might be, who knows, it might be the best sausage sandwich ever. Or it might be. So you spend a bit of time making breakfast. And then before you know it, it might, that might be 10, 10 30 in the morning. You know, by the time everything, by the time I've walked around with the black bag and picked up all the, picked up all the bits of paper, <laughs> that, you know, we, that definitely needs to be something that gets done. It's a dad job getting that done. Uh, but then you go, okay, well, let's start cooking now. And you want to take your time. You want to enjoy it. You want to get everything going. And then by the time you've got guests coming, for me, it, it's normally late afternoon. Like, it, it's normally three, four o'clock-ish. And then it'll go on for an hour and a half and everyone's having a laugh around the table. So you're not normally then having pudding until, I don't know, maybe six o'clock-ish, 6.30, something like that. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like UGG, Samsung, and Expedia. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use. And you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. That's Rakuten. It's dark. It's like you could st- play a few party games, and then it d- means you haven't got to do tea. You could do a few cold bits and bobs, or you might just end up having cheese at 8 30 9 o'clock at night and that's kind of the day done then like and i mean and obviously in between there's nuts and crisps isn't there does ac have a little nap in the afternoon no. if he gets up at five on christmas morning he's just carries on until no, yeah he's, no, he's a machine like he's up and he like he's not he's not a fan of sleeping i gotta be honest he's not he was never a fan of sleeping as a, as a baby he's not a fan of sleeping now he's kind of he does quite well with no sleep he's a bit like his dad to be honest he's just kind of gets up, keeps going. That's it until he drops right at the end of the day. Like so, he's yeah. He's once he's up, that's it. It's got to be full on that entertainment. Must be very wearing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 to be honest, I feel more sorry for Beth. I look at her and go, "My God, you've got two of us." Like, it's, uh, like it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's been many a time when we've been on a trampoline at five a.m. What about you, Orlando? When's Christmas Day? Um, between three and four. When are you on a trampoline? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like a nap occasionally in the afternoon, but I don't let myself have one. Um, yeah, between three, between three and four, I would aim for. Uh, but 
I'm very flexible on serving times nowadays. Having had to, when I was cooking for, for a living, have to be absolutely rigid about when food went out and it had to be on time and exactly what it said it was. I said that when I stopped doing that, I'm never going to work to a timetable again and it will be ready when it's ready. So people have to kind of stick to that. But I mean, I, I would aim, aim for half past three and work everything back from that quite strictly. And... Um, and make sure that all the different components are aimed for because it's annoying to remember that you haven't prepped the potatoes or something. You've done that the day before. I might not have done it the day yeah, before. Yeah. But you, you, you have to work. I think you have to work to a menu and work to a list and get it all worked out. It's, it's like any other complicated job. And it is really complicated. A, any roast meal is complicated. The timing is getting everything synchronised. We, we're actually probably cleverer than we think us cooks, aren't we? <laughs> well, uh, maybe just at cooking. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and to be fair, we have been doing it a fair while. Yes. Yeah, but every meal is different, really. So we're, we're constantly having to rethink what we know. And Well, not every meal is different, but every home meal that you make is different, isn't it? So we have to reconfigure our knowledge to a new set of circumstances. And the the, the number of different procedures and routines in cooking a meal is, is unfathomably complicated. I mean, one of Miriam's robots, she would be teaching these robots those those routines for years to get them to cook a, a Christmas dinner. Can you She's imagine got someone you know, programming how it. many how many robots would you need to cook this Christmas dinner, Miriam? Twelve. <laughs> Maybe. And Tom 15. is doing it single-handed and keeping AC entertained and um, yeah. keeping Beth charmed as he goes along. I've this got myself is... down. <laughs> Don't forget, I've picked up all the wrapping as well. Don't yeah, keep, yeah. Don't he's, forget he's doing Bad cleaning job. as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's like those, those little robots in, in Disney movies that move along uh, picking up after Wally. And that's just what it's like in my house. Yeah, that's just what I've programmed. Anyway, <laughs> um, we were saying previously that you know, making a Christmas dinner ahead, covering it in plastic and leaving it, probably not the best idea. But there are things that you're saying that you can prep before that perhaps benefit from being made in advance. What would those sort of things be? I feel like red cabbage is a good one. Yeah, because it sits there, that pickle flavour. Things that kind of take on more flavours by being done beforehand. I mean, we always talk about braises and stews that increasing in flavour, don't we, if you've done it the day or two before, but from that kind of thesis and thinking, uh, uh, the sauce, the gravy, your turkey gravy you want to make, if you can make that a couple of days beforehand, leave that in the fridge or set up, go all gelatin-like, the flavour of that would be absolutely delicious. And it's it's one of those jobs that people always do at the end once the bird is roasted in the last minute, you're making enough great and have you got enough? And, you know, all of those ways. Just get it done, get it made beforehand. And, you know, the thing about it, you can have the turkey you know two or three days beforehand you can trim it you can roast the wings you can do bits and bobs of the carcass you can even use the turkey legs some people are not a big fan they just want turkey crowns you can use the legs to make the gravy i mean there's lots you can do with that sort of thing so i would say getting the gravy made the day before is a good one and turkey smells so delicious when it's cooking it really is so different from chicken it's got a really rich flavour. It's meant to have a slight soporific effect to go back to um, having a nap in the afternoon. But I don't think, I don't know if that's true. Have you heard that it's got this chemical in it that makes you go to sleep, Turkey? No. No? Okay. 
once again, I'll appeal to our listeners. <laughs> Someone will know about this theory that it's got some chemical in it. That, that is okay, maybe because you've just eaten too much. Yeah, yeah I just yeah, assumed yeah. it was like, you know, you're in a warm room, like everyone is yeah. there, yeah. you're watching lots of nice movies that you've seen before, you've eaten a big meal, like you'd, I just, I assumed that that, I didn't realise yeah. it was a turkey. Well, <laughs> you're so if you, bored of the sound <laughs> of music again. <laughs> it's like, come on, how many times have we seen this? Well, you're just tired because you've been in the kitchen yeah. all day, something like that, logical, but no. I didn't realise it was a part of the turkey. But I'm um, I'm with Tom on on prepare your gravy certainly before because you can really make it beautiful if you and it shouldn't be the last minute thing. And you can always add some of, of the flavour from the roasting tin to the gravy. Yeah. That would be fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Tom, do you do your roast potatoes? Do you actually you parboil them? Do you actually set them up as well? Cook them all the way through. Cook so them all I the way cook, through. I gently gently poach them so they're cooked all the way through. So they're softer. They're they're cooked not to the point where they fall apart and they're like mash, but cooked all the way through. And then I lift them out of the water and I put them onto a cake rack so they steam dry so that they is on a cake rack as well so you've got air circulation all the way around and that steam drying means that they begin to crack on the outside as they kind of like uh, as they dry out they shrink and the outside of it kind of cracks like that and what happens is that's the bit that'll get all crispy that's the bit that'll go all lovely and gnarly when you want your roast potatoes and once they've steam dried and cooled then put them in the fridge not covered Again, the fridge is a dehydrator, right? When it goes in there, it will dry them outside. That You want them nice and cooked but dry. Then your oven on the Christmas day, nice uh, deep roasting tray, thick layer of oil. Now, I always use a straight, clean vegetable oil, not goose fat, not beef fat, not because I'm looking for a clean, crisp flavour. Get that oil nice and hot as if you were making Yorkshire puddings. Then take the tray out of the oven gently and then put the potatoes in and then back in the oven. Give them a roast. So basically what you're doing now is you're just crisping up the outside of a ready-cooked potato. And then every... 25 minutes take them out and give them a turn so that they all begin to get each side gets covered in oil and begins to roast up and don't overcrowd the tray either so just get it so essentially you are kind of like shallow frying cooked potatoes in the oven which is roasting them crisping them up and they've got that lovely kind of gnarly outer skin where they were steam dried and then left in the fridge to de dehydrate almost and that's about an hour in the in the oven do you think 50 minutes yeah I, I would give yourself an hour and a half I, like I yeah. would because, and then it doesn't matter if they're done in an hour because you could take them out and leave them to one side yeah. and then you can just put them back in the oven for 10 minutes to get hot again like it's you want to get them done don't be st everything there and then stood there waiting for the roasters and they're not ready yet you know like yeah. get the roast is done yeah, and I think you need that on your timetable to get them to get them in good and soon, so they've got plenty of time. Yeah, get the if roasties they're ready, done. if they're a bit ready, a bit early, you can just keep them keep them warm, can't you? Yeah, or, I, or I would mean, you leave them just, in the oven until you're? No, just I would take them out. I would take them out. Take them out of the oil. Put them onto a dry um, roasting tray with some maybe some kitchen roll on it, so it absorbs all the fat, and then wait until like it, it's ready for serving time. Put them back in the oven for another five or ten minutes to so get get them hot again. But they're now already crispy be crunchy cooked yeah. you just got to give them a little quick little reheat and with your presumably serve carrots we all need carrots don't we to brighten the whole thing up would you parboil would you cook those the day before i as do well? carrots whole so i peel them top and tail them and i blanch them again day before so they're cooked all the way through and i like a roasted carrot so i, do, I like i'll roast them a little bit like i would do um the potatoes um and i do the same with parsnips as well i do them whole um, and buy the ones that are all try and find them you know when you can go to fruit and veg shops and you can actually instead of just buying 
buy in a bag and they're all sorts of different sizes. Go through them, find the ones the same size. Yeah. I'll peel and blanch them exactly the same. And then I'll either roast them and get them nice and brown and tinged either through the oven and then some drizzle of honey towards the end. The same with the carrots and the same with the parsnips. So do you have an oven that's big enough to, to have the three the three things or you've got two, have you got two ovens where you can you can do one well oven. I do the turkey like uh, on a, on the barbecue so it frees oh, everything up my, and then you yes. can get things in and out of the oven so if you're getting them roasted and cooked and honey glazed and then they can sit there you can just put everything back in for another 10 minutes where if you get it, get it cooked and then reheat it not the day before but get it cooked and then you know and if it's an hour before you need to serve it doesn't matter you can get it reheated rather than waiting for everything to cook if that yeah. makes sense it's a lot easier then to bring everything to the table hot at the same time yeah yeah um because i think a lot of people if you don't have a if you haven't got a big barbecue set up to do the turkey you've got to somehow work with what you've got a lot of people have two ovens yeah but it can be a bit of a squeeze you've only got the one you get the turkey cooked get the turkey roasted um, it, it's quite hard to cook the roast potatoes at the same time the turkey as you've got one oven because the turkey creates steam so if you're trying to get those oven the, the potatoes nice and crispy we, you will be doing it but it will take a little bit longer because the oven's full yeah, yeah it becomes it creates it's almost like a steam bath we, you will get them there eventually but there's no remember you're going to rest the turkey for at least 45 minutes once it comes out at least do you know what I mean so you go that gives you more time to do things and then you can again you can reheat everything but I would just think of your time planning get things cooked and reheat rather than work towards I'll get these cooked now because that's how long I think they'll take yeah yeah so those things you don't work backwards from the serving time you you kind of work them forwards to get them cooked if you see what I mean you you cook them before you actually need them yes you get them finished before d-day rather than at d-day exactly that and yeah. and turkeys are quite a difficult one to get right because timings that they'll give you are sometimes very, very different because the turkeys are very, very different. So if you've bought a beautiful free-range turkey that has taken five or six months to grow and it's a six-kilo bird, or if you've bought a, a cheaper turkey that's a five or six-kilo bird, but it may look bigger, well, you get a six-kilo bird because it's grown to a particular size and that's its fully grown skeleton base, but then it puts on meat. So the breast, there's much more meat breast to it. But if you buy one that's been a little bit more intensely farmed, it has a much bigger skeleton that that's taken it to being a heavier weight that then they put the weight on. So your breast might not be as big. It might not have as much meat on it. it might have, so if you've bought a free range one, that'll probably take, that will take longer for the center to cook, even if it's a six kilo bird. <laughs> if you've got two six kilo birds, but they're slightly different, one is free range and has been out there for a long time and one isn't, you're going to have different cooking temperatures and times for the turkeys. Did I explain that well? That sounded a little complicated. Well, no, I I, I completely agree. And in fact, um, our ancestors knew that you can't just do it by the weight of the bird anyway, because it isn't as easy as that. No. And that's why they used to get troubled by the fact that it, it didn't seem ready. And the, and the myth came around about the gas gas pressure going down. That's definitely not true that the gas pressure goes down. Well, it might this year, but... What are we talking about now? Well, what, do you remember gas... Do you remember they used to say... But, uh, people Turkeys used have got to, gas? Actually, no, <laughs> the gas, a gas oven. So the ga in a, a gas oven. That the mm. pressure, because everyone was cooking the turkeys um, uh. at, at Christmas morning that the gas pressure went down. And they used to say that after a football match, the, the, the electricity went down because everyone made a cup of tea. But these things aren't true. Are they true, Miriam? I don't you know. You know about <laughs> power and technology. How, how many ovens have you got, by the way? I've got the one oven. One oven. <laughs> 
So you'll be, you'd one have a no one, car, no bike. Remember? Is there anything we can? <laughs> no garden. <laughs> is you. there anything we can do in the microwave? Out of interest. Yeah. The reheating of the Christmas pudding is always a good one yeah, to do in the microwave. Yeah. For, because for me, that if you look at traditional Christmas puddings, they're made, and they're always made and they're steamed for three or four hours to get that beautiful, rich, dark cook on them. And then to reheat, it used to be you do it in a saucepan with an upside-down plate and with some water in, and you then have to re-steam it for another two hours. Well, that's if you've only got the one oven and the four hobs, you know, one of your hobs is taken up there trying to reheat a Christmas pudding. So you can definitely do a Christmas pudding in a microwave. And you get all that steam in the kitchen. And you are only reheating it. That's all, if, if you've got yeah. properly cooked Christmas pudding, you're only... You're only trying to make it hot. Yeah. But now here's a really useful tip for people that if they put in, plan to put coins in their Christmas pudding, oh, yeah. do not microwave it. That, is that really obvious by any chance? It's, do you think our listeners worth, worth mentioning? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But my mother used to wrap up the coins anyway in silver foil. Is, yeah. Do, um, do you wrap up in, your coins? In, put it in at serving time. I think that would wrap it up in silver foil and then sneak and it. And warn your guests yes. that there's a coin there. So my nan don't. used to do them wrapped in baking parchment and bake them in it. Oh, right. So it would be cooked already in it. I thought you were going to say your nan used to do them in bacon. I'm thinking, well, that's rather tasty. <laughs> so well, know. I tell you what, Christmas pudding, um, it, I mean, it's great on Boxing Day with, with bacon for breakfast. Like if, you, you, if you've got a slice of it, fry it in butter, serve with bacon, that salty kind of like, think essentially, if you think of Christmas pudding like solid brown sauce, if you, this, the flavours of brown sauce, not without without the vinegar and the acidity coming through it, but it's lush. That and bacon, it's like solid brown sauce and bacon. I mean, it's delicious. <laughs> Try that. And what you're mentioning about the um, turkey timings, and because the oven can vary, not necessarily with gas pressure, but it can vary. Um, what sort of starters or something would you put out that would be really easy and kind of flexible while you're waiting for everything to be? finalized well i'm not really the start person okay. i'm just going for full big kind of roast i mean if we've got people coming there might be some crisp some nuts and bowls of that floating about but i i'm not a sit down and have a starter kind of guy on christmas day what about you um I'm I'm not a kind of snacky person generally, the little salty, crunchy, crunchy things. But I think on Christmas Day, because of the slight unknown of when you're actually going to get it to the table, to save your guests fainting or starting to hit hit each other, it might be good to have some cheesy, crunchy, snacky things bought or made. I mean, I make these little Parmesan biscuits, which are lovely, which you can make week up to a week in advance which are very crunchy and very rich and you only want two or three of them and I think that would save you that your blood sugar problems we're probably talking about here. What about you? Are you a starter person? It is often a bit of an afterthought and then you're like, yeah, I just want to make sure nobody sort of starts grumbling or looking for stuff. So often it's just something really simple like very thin slices of baguette that I've toasted with some nice cheese, maybe a little bit of pickle walnut or some gherkin or something just something really small and snacky that looks pretty that takes like two seconds because the, if people are drinking champagne which they quite often are it, it it goes to your head quite fast and you don't want it to go to their heads and then they fall down on the ground no. so this <laughs> this should help always use alcohol wisely yeah um, we are almost out of time, but to kind of neatly round off this Christmas special, um, I think you need to help us save um, Christmases from disaster with your list of 10 things we shouldn't forget. Orlando's prepared a special list. Well, as, <laughs> as we all love lists anyway. Presents and food, that's it. Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> 
I've just made a list grandma. of... Grandma. Uh, Don't uh, forget grandma. <laughs> I've just made a list of 10 helpful things, which which I hope would uh, would take the panic out of Christmas. So, and many of them we've we've covered already. I'm very worried about the the drinking thing that I just mentioned. I think I'm getting glaring views from the from from our producer there about recommending people to drink too much champagne and then soak no, it up with cheesy snacks. No, you weren't. You were saying you must have cheesy snacks yeah. just in case. That's it. You yours was yours was the health and safety message. Thank you. <laughs> That's very <laughs> reassuring. I'm never quite sure how reassuring it is when Tom says something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so the, the start off, do make yourself a, a timetable, but be prepared to deviate from it and tell people. Give yourself a window of time rather than say it's going to be on the table at three three o'clock. Give yourself an hour. Um, that three-letter word ish is yeah. very yeah, helpful at Christmas, yeah. isn't it? Three-ish. Yeah. yeah. And I think personally, it's better to surprise everyone by serving up a bit earlier than they thought, rather than be optimistic and having them pacing around outside. The I thought you were going to say surprise everyone by serving up salmon. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want them pacing around anxious because it seems to be late. So better to give them say oh you won't believe it, it's ready and ring a little ring a little bell <laughs> to say that it's ready that's our christmas bell which i've been dying to ring throughout this podcast <laughs> um, number two delegate i think it's a shame when a cook says oh, i'm going to do everything myself it's not after all a kind of active bravado so i think it's really nice to get other people involved and bearing that idea in mind, I'm going to delegate the remaining messages on my list. So, Miriam, would you like to yeah. okay. uh, so take the was, next idea after delegate? That was two. So three is calculate the turkey timing, including at least 45 minutes resting time. That's good. Definitely. Very definitely. Important. The resting time is key. So that being said, turkeys are very different in shapes and cooking times vary even for the same weight of turkey. So have snacks ready to send out in waves just in case there's a long wait. Allow plenty of time for the roast potatoes. Everyone loves them and there's no need to hurry them. Oh, this one's a good one. If you have a digital thermometer, the thickest part of the turkey should read 75 to 80 degrees C. So you can be sure that it's, it's all right. Can I really recommend a digital thermometer? Yeah, of course you can. But I would say that don't take the turkey out at 75 or 80 degrees. Take it out prior to that because the residual heat in the resting will take it to that. So if you take it out at 75 or 80 degrees, that's the temperature you want to be, it needs to reach to. Okay. So I would take it out at 70, all right, 72, and then leave it there. So that residual heat continues the cooking process. Because if you take it out too hot, that's when you end up with the, that's when turkey ends up on a list being not liked because people go, it's a little bit dry. It's a little bit like cotton wool. It's a little, that's because we've overcooked it this time so yeah but it must reach 75 to 80 degrees centigrade and to rest it you're wrapping it in foil and then covering it with something else or are you leaving it uh, it's up to you some people like to wrap it in foil because they're worried about it not i i would just leave mine out i i leave it out and leave it to air dry and then if you need to re the middle is still continuing to cook the outside of it obviously will get a little cooler you could always just put the thing back in the oven for a couple of minutes just to reheat just before you carve after its 45-minute rest. And you've got piping hot gravy, so that'll help. Exactly if your plates are hot that. too, should yep. be all right. That's it. 
If you wrap it in foil, I think it it's, it can make the skin a little bit softer. And yeah. So it'd be nicer not to have the skin too soft, wouldn't it? Yeah, turkey skin is very difficult. You're never going to get it crispy. It's not it's not the same as chicken. It's got a much higher fat content as well. So and the skin is thicker. So it, it, you're not really going to get crispy turkey skin. You're just going to get beautiful flavour from it. Now, number seven, before you serve the main course. Check you've got everything out of the oven and the cauliflower cheese isn't left in the oven because there's often something left at the back. It's so easy to forget like one thing. Oh, I did red cabbage and I haven't brought it through. <laughs> um, and eight, gravy makes the meal. It can be made ahead and then thinned down with some of the defatted turkey cooking juices. And I think you can make all your sauces in advance. Your cranberry the day sauce the day ahead and prep your bread sauce as well, can't you? There's no need to be doing the sauces at the last minute. No, absolutely not. We checked some of the um, readers on the Good Food Together group have already made some of their sauces and have them in the freezer. Excellently organised, aren't they? Number nine... Try not to get hysterical about everything being piping hot if you don't have space on the hob and in the oven. Just make sure that everything's properly cooked and do what you can to get it nice and hot. But, you know, if it can't, if you haven't got room in the oven, you can't get it straight out of the oven onto the table. So just keep calm about that. And good hot plates probably help, don't they? Yeah, have a little think about the things that hold their temperature. So a really piping hot roast potato will stay hot for a longer time the green veg sprouts don't stay as hot they go colder much much quicker so and things like if you're cooking carrots and parsnips we talked about like whole and they're roasted and finished with honey well that honey is like a sugar and you can get that super hot and that almost acts like a glaze and that will keep them hot so those are the sort of things that you can have done and they will keep out of the oven you haven't got to heat them up as much because you've got them hotter they stay hotter for longer so it's the greens that you really need to worry about the most and the gravy of course yeah gravy's yeah, got to gravy. be piping yeah and number 10 on our list tom i'm leaving to you it says the cook does not do the washing up <laughs> do we all agree about that well <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> this is my theory. I'm trying to help people enjoy their Christmas day. You don't agree? Well, I only could. I like you got wash up as you go along, right? Yeah. So if you're cooking, wash up as you go along. Otherwise, you end up with chaos and mayhem everywhere. And I quite like the washing up bit. I quite like. I think it goes back to the same thing where I've got the bin bag and the wrapping paper, right? <laughs> I can't bear the fact that there's a le- just get it cleaned up. Just get it cleaned up, then we can get on with enjoying ourselves. Get get it just get it done. So in most people's houses, absolutely the cook does not do the washing up. My house, I'll, I'll do it, don't worry. No no stress family, I've got this. Do you know I like to wash up the pots and pans and my knives and things, but I'm not very interested in the plates and knives and forks. So I'd quite like someone else to put that all in the dishwasher. Ideally. So we end on a note of disagreement, as usual, don't we? <laughs> we get on, we do get on, we do get on really, don't we? We just disagree about practically everything. Absolutely, it's the right way to be. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Orlando, and thank you, Tom. A pleasure, mate. And thank you, Miriam. And may you have a fabulous Christmas in the company of your robotic, <laughs> your bro- robotic household. Thank you, Orlando. Listen, I want to say massive happy, happy Christmas to the two of you. But most importantly, not that you're not the most important, but the <laughs> most importantly, happy Christmas to all the listeners to the podcast. Happy Christmas, guys. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. <laughs> happy Christmas. And that was the BBC Good Food Christmas podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. 
Happy Christmas. For more festive fun, check out the Radio Times podcast with Kelly Ann Taylor, who speaks to chef Jamie Oliver all about Christmas in the Oliver household. And he spills the beans on who controls the remote. Plus, he reveals his favourite festive snacks and how it was luck that landed him his first TV show. Search for the Radio Times podcast wherever you get your podcasts.